Say thank you, Lord. There is no one like you, Jesus. Of all the kings and all their kingdoms, there's none like you. You are the Lord of lords, the King of kings, and all of our delight is in you, God. I thank you that you are a faithful God. You are a good God. You are God. Thank you, Jesus, that you were with the Father at the beginning, creating, and you will be with the Father at the end, ruling and reigning over all things. And uh, Lord, there is no end to the increase of your government and of peace. So Lord, we ask today that you would have your way. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you take of what is of the fathers and sons and make it known to us. So come today and fill me with what I need. Fill us with what we need. Invigorate us for you, God. That our hearts love you. That our minds at a deeper level comprehend you. And may we be more obedient to your will as a result. In Jesus' holy and precious, magnificent name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, band. Thank you, Dan Lathrop, coming from our sister church, The River, and uh, helping us out on drums. Taylor's here for Dan coming over. It's wonderful to be here today. Good morning, community of faith. (laughs) It's wonderful to have you. Mother's Day. Happy, happy, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Being married to a mother, I have greater appreciation than ever before over these last few years of, of what all mothers do. I don't know how you do it. It is the most high and lofty profession uh, in humanity, the, the amount of time and attention and detail it takes. And I, I do truly say to all the mothers here, you are to be honored and you are honored uh, from my heart and from our hearts today. We wouldn't uh, be here without you. And uh, we, are, we are honored. It, did any mothers not happen to get a, uh, a rose today that, that are here in our midst? Any at all? Raise your hand. All right. Well, uh, we'll find a way to get the rest of the roses in, in some hands today. But uh, my name is Jeff Bianchi, and I'm lead pastor here at Community of Faith, Christian Fellowship, and uh, I'm... Uh, I'm loving the weather. Anybody loving it out there? Yeah? This is what we've been waiting for. May 11th, 10th, whatever it is today. Praise you, Jesus. Keep it coming, Lord. Keep it coming. We need that warmth. But not too warm, Lord. Just uh, right in the middle. We're in the second week of a series uh, entitled Rebuilding the Walls. And this is out of the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was uh, not a, a priest. He was not in the priestly order, but he was a man that was a cupbearer to the king. He was cupbearer to the king of Persia. And uh, we're going to read about him today. But we're going to talk about, out of this book of Nehemiah, what it means to rebuild the walls. You know, many times, as I shared this last week, and I think some of our folks in discussion in our faith groups throughout the week, we're wondering, now, are walls a good thing? Or are these a bad thing? You know, what is this? Walls? I thought walls were not a good thing. And in general, in a lot of senses, when we talk about walls in the Christian life, they're not good things. Walls between man and God. Jesus 
broke the dividing wall and barrier between us and God, signified when Jesus cried out, It is finished! on the cross. And the curtain was torn from top to bottom. He, he removed the separation between man and God. That's not the kind of wall we're talking about here in Nehemiah. Also, walls of separation and division between people. That's not what we want. We don't want division between people. Jesus, he died. It says that Jesus died and he purchased men and women for God from every tribe, every tongue, every people, every language, and every nation. Jesus is about tearing down those walls of division between male and female, between rich and poor, between young and old, between Jew and Gentile, between uh, whatever uh, division that may exist. He wants to bring oneness in him. So that's not the kind of wall we're talking about. He's also not desiring a third way. He's not desiring to build a wall between mankind or uh, between the church, God's people, and between those who don't have a relationship with God. He's not desiring for a wall to be between us, but he's desiring for us to build a wall of protection and provision for the world around us. And so it's very important for you to know, as I talk about building walls, I'm talking about building something really wonderful uh, in our city. Building, uh, we as the church are the building of God. That's one of the descriptions of the church that we are being built together. Do you know the chief cornerstone? What is a cornerstone? That's the stone that is laid down on which everything else is built. Everything else goes off that stone, and Jesus is that chief cornerstone. But we're all built, as it says scripturally, as living stones upon that stone, and we're being built together to be a house by which God lives by His Spirit. And in that sense, we're building walls in our city which is we're building a spiritual house to where we can say to people, come into safety, come into freedom, come into life, come into protection uh, from God. And so I wanted to make that clear today as I think there was some good and lively discussion throughout the week about what a wall may or may not be. When we're talking about those spiritual walls, think about, in whatever way you think about it, we spoke about the walls, I talked about Xi'an, the ancient city I was in in China where I saw the walls surrounding this. You can think of it in that way. You can think of it as walls of a spiritual house of protection and provision, but that's what we're talking about. Building a place among us as a people where God presides and where God resides and where people are safe, delivered, healed, restored, renewed, and blessed. Do you want that? Well, that's what we're talking about. You understand what I mean now a little bit about the rebuilding of the walls? You know, the walls of our nation, the walls of our city have fallen down spiritually in some ways. In many ways, actually, they have fallen down. Last week was a fairly heavy message, and uh, I know it because some of you shared back with me (laughs) that it was a bit heavy uh, what I was sharing with about the walls having fallen down in our nation, in our city. And uh, I mentioned a few few examples of that, and um, uh, we are going to have opportunity throughout um, as we go along in different, uh, different series and things to discuss more deeply some of those areas of brokenness. But uh, in reality, we have to understand that spiritually the walls have been broken down because we no longer in our city and in our nation accept God's word as our standard for life. That's why. I'm not talking, it's not about a Republican, Democrat, uh, uh, Independent. It's not about a political party. 
you see. The church of God is not under any particular political party. The church of God is under God. But the reality of that fact is that God, uh, among us as a people, as a nation here, that we have, we have let go of the, of the Word of God being our standard for life. The Word of God has been, in one sense, it can never be marginalized ultimately. But we have marginalized the Word of God in our lives, and we've chosen to say what I think and what I feel is preeminent. God's Word, if it doesn't match up with it, then we enough for God's Word. But the reality is, where the walls have fallen in our city and in our nation, it's been because we have drifted from the truth of God's Word, which is here in His Holy Scriptures, in the Bible. And uh, um, it, it has nothing, as I said, to do with a political party. God, uh, it's, it's as the angel that appeared to one of the... Uh, uh, to Joshua, as the uh, as the Israelites were about to enter the city of Jericho, and an angel appears and he says, "Hey, who are you with? Us or our enemies?" And he goes, "I'm not with either of you. I'm here to take over." <laughs> and that's the reality of what it means when God comes in our midst. When God comes in our midst, He takes over, and all of our little pet. Uh, political or whatever uh, ideological ideas, they all fall at the feet of Jesus and we all love him with all of our hearts. You know what's amazing is that all of us could be in this room loving God together and not see everything exactly the same. I can guarantee you some of you don't see everything the exact same as I do. I'm okay with that as long as we see the key and principal parts of Christ and Christ alone for salvation uh, and us being committed to sharing his word with the nations, I realize there may be things different. But we are building a wall together as a people for the glory and for the praise of God. And uh, last week, uh, it was uh, a bit of a heavy message, but I'm here to tell you this. The message last week might have been a little heavy, but this series is filled with hope. You cannot imagine. I have so much hope in my heart as I preach uh, and, and share in this series. Because... Um, though these walls have fallen down spiritually in our city and our nation in many ways, we can do something in God to rebuild them. You can today start rebuilding these walls. You don't have to wait. You don't have to sit around in condemnation. You don't have to sit around in anger. You don't have to sit around in this, that, or the other. But you can begin building spiritual walls in this city and ultimately for our nation. And ultimately that our nation would play the role in Nehemiah, we see the actions that the church can take in order to rebuild these walls. And uh, we, we really are uh, able to see here, and we're going to look at this week and through the few weeks that follow, things that will usher in God's presence and bring the grace of God for many. We're going to see how to rebuild the walls of protection and provision for our nation. So we're going to look today at Nehemiah chapter 1. In verse 10, we're going to start there, and we're going to go through Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 18, and we're going to see three areas that we can begin building the walls. This is the sermon or the message or whatever you want to call it, talk, that I'm giving to you today, which is called, Let's Start Rebuilding the Walls. As we said last week, we got to come to a realization they're broken down. Maybe not in every way, because there's still vibrant believers and communities in our nation, but they're broken. But the encouragement today is, let's start rebuilding the walls. You want to start rebuilding the walls? 
You want to do it with more grace and favor, even if you've been building? Oh, let's do it. So we're going to see three areas in our prayers, in our professions, talking about that, your vocation, uh, and in our, in, in our presence, in the presence of God among his people. We're going to really see these walls rebuilt. Let's look again a little bit of background about Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah. In Nehemiah, the Israelites, uh, the people of God, had been exiled, taken away from their homeland to a northern kingdom for 70 years, right? From the people from Judah, right? And um, they, they had gone north for 70 years because of their sin, because God had spoken to them time and time again, not speaking to them in order to condemn them. You know, God doesn't reveal sin so that he can condemn you. God reveals sin so that he can free you. And that's what, what he'd been doing. He'd been revealing. These are the areas that you're rebelling against me. You're taking the gods of the nations around you, Israel. You are taking the gods, uh, the god Molech, which causes um, you to sacrifice your children through the fire. You're taking the gods of Dagon, the gods, all the names of the gods around. You are taking the bales upon your lips and in your hearts and and you were living in sexual immorality and, and all of these things. And they were warned. And they again and again ignored it. And so they were in, in exile. And Nehemiah was an exilic figure. He was a man that was living in exile. He was a, he was a man, of, uh, an Israelite, and he lived there. This is toward the end of the exile of Jerusalem. Uh, and the exile of the people of Israel. About 30, 25, 30 years earlier, the temple had been rebuilt by a man named Ezra, and that had been rebuilt. So individual prayer and worship was restored. But the provision and protection of God's city, it still was in ruins. The city of Jerusalem, it says all the walls were torn down, the gates were burned with fire, and that meant no protection, no provision, and and no hope for their future. So God called this man Nehemiah, uh, as he was, as he was uh, uh, in, um, in the exile under the king of Persia, and he began leading him back in order to be one who helped lead the rebuilding of the walls so that Israel could live under the protection, the provision, the life, and the good graces of God. So I want us to look here uh, at Nehemiah chapter 1 and verses 10 and 11 and begin reading to see the three areas today, how we can begin rebuilding the walls. I mean, you can start rebuilding the walls any moment. You can do it today on Mother's Day. You can begin rebuilding the walls in Boston. Isn't that encouraging? You don't have to wait. It's encouraging for me. Verse 10. This is Nehemiah praying to the Lord after he has learned from from uh, the men around him, giving him a report that the walls are broken down around Jerusalem, okay? He's praying right now, and he's saying this, they are your servants and your people, speaking of the people of Israel, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. 
We'll get to the part of who he's in the presence of. But, but Nehemiah was here and he's saying, Let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. We can, and in one way, we ought and we must rebuild the spiritual walls through prayer. Through prayer. Oh. After Nehemiah heard the report that the walls in Jerusalem were destroyed, he was stricken with grief. His heart was broken. The walls, my nation is, is lying in ruins. The very center of my nation, Jerusalem, is lying in ruins and his heart was broken. But he did not. He didn't blame anyone for that. He didn't blame those sinful people that got us there. He didn't blame them. And he didn't, he didn't uh, uh, despair. He didn't give himself over to that despair, though he was broken. What did Nehemiah do? He prayed. He began to pray. He turned his heart to God. He knew the one who could rebuild the walls. You see, the rebuilding of the walls in the natural always starts with a rebuilt wall in the spiritual. It never happens apart from the, in the spiritual first. As we are going to see a wall built in the spirit, in our, I mean, a wall built in reality, uh, among God's people, among a spiritual wall built, it will always happen in prayer preceding what God's doing uh, in the natural. The first and last step in rebuilding spiritual walls is through prayer. You know, prayer is essentially building the walls of provision and the walls of protection uh, in our lives, in our communities, and in our city. Everywhere that you are, when you pray, you have no idea as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ how much power your prayer carries to transform and to uh, change the environment around you. Prayer is such a powerful thing. I think that's why it's such a spiritual war to become a person of prayer. Because prayer will change. Because God Almighty promised, if we ask, we will receive as God's people. If we seek Him, we will find. If we knock and keep knocking, and these verbs are uh, present, uh, whatever you call it. They're uh, uh, repetitive. <laughs> That's not the right word. These verbs are saying, if you ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking, you're absolutely going to receive, if you believe in your heart, that what you're going to have, you receive in prayer. Prayer needs to happen before, it needs to happen during, and it needs to happen following. <laughs> before, during, following, it needs to happen in order in, in this rebuilding of spiritual walls. True spiritual work. And it's work to rebuild walls. You don't rebuild walls by sitting there drinking a Dr. Pepper with your, knee, with your legs kicked up, you know? You might be taking a break and have Dr. Pepper as the the drink of choice, but that is not where the wall is rebuilt. It's not rebuilt in us just kicking it back and saying, we prayed about it, God's going to do it. We work, as we spoke in, in our last series, that those who provide for others are truly uh, strong workers in God. <clears throat> but true spiritual work is preceded and unfolded by prayer. And when we lack a spirit of prayer... As a people, we lack a spirit of power. I'm telling you, this is a message of hope today, not because you have to be a spiritual giant, 
Be a spiritual midget. That's fine. But just pray. (laughs) Just start praying today. Ask God to increase your hunger. Ask God to increase your thirst. I'm sorry, midget. Um, Be a spiritual little person. I'm sorry. I think that wasn't a politically correct word. I didn't mean anything by it. But but be a a spiritually small person and just start praying. You might say, well, I only pray five minutes a day and I'm tired. Well, pray five minutes a day. If you will ask God for a spirit of prayer, if you will repent for your prayerlessness, He will give you a spirit of prayer. You know how I know that? Because here's a guy who couldn't pray two seconds apart from God's grace. But here's a guy who by His grace is praying more and more and more and more specifically. When I come up to you and I tell you I'm praying for you daily, I'm praying for you daily. I'm not praying hours on end. I'm not babbling as uh, Jesus said, but I am praying for you. And that's why I have great hope for our future. And that's why I have great hope for our, our, our nation. Jeremiah Lamphere. Anybody ever heard of him? He was a fellow in 1857. I know you never met him, but uh, he was at a crossroads in his life. This was a guy that was in New York City, and he was a businessman. He was a single businessman, and he had a heart for the city of New York. He wanted to see the spiritual walls rebuilt in New York. So he began ministering among the broken and the hurting, the homeless, and all of this. But he realized as he began working that he was wiped out. And he realized, this is what it says here, which I think is, is, is really awesome. As he ministered in the dark slums of Hell's Kitchen, Lamphere poured himself out in the lives of the people who were homeless, helpless, and hopeless. And so he, would, he was going for it. But he discovered that even as the body needs food, the soul and the spirit need prayer. Lamphere realized the need and regularly returned to a room in the church constitutory building to cry out to God for strength. And he had a fresh experience with God in this. And here's the thing. He decided to call a bunch of other people. Now, this was not a pastor. This was a man that was working in New York City downtown. And he decided to call a bunch of other people. And uh, he was, uh, he handed out 20,000 flyers advertising his, the first of noonday prayer meetings, uh, September 23rd, 1857. For the first 30 minutes, it says he stood alone while he was praying. Eventually, steps were heard coming up the staircase and another one joined. Then another and another until Lamphere was joined by five men. The next Wednesday, the six increased to 20. The following week, there were 40. Lamphere and the others then decided to meet daily. And within weeks, thousands of business leaders were meeting for prayer each day. Before long, over 100 churches and public meeting halls were filled with noonday prayer meetings. God moved so powerfully that similar prayer meetings sprang up around the nation. For a season, there were 10,000 conversions to Christ each week in New York City. And it's estimated that nearly 1 million people across the U.S. were transformed during this incredible move of God. One million people was a lot more uh, percentage-wise in 1857 than it is today. A significant swath of the nation was swept into the grace of God. And you know why there was a movement of God in the 1800s? It's not rocket science. (laughs) There was a movement of prayer. There was a group of people who said, we are not going to stand for the status quo. We are not going to stand for uh, the walls broken in people's lives, destruction in people's lives, we are going to become a people of prayer. And, and it wasn't just one person, it wasn't just one church, but groups of people praying. I want to say this, as I said a few weeks ago, God has been giving me a greater spirit of prayer 
than I, almost than I've ever known. In a new and unique way, he's been giving me a spirit of prayer. And I, I, I have responsibilities. I have three children. I have a wonderful wife. I have a job. Uh, it is a job. It does take work. I have things going on, but God has, is teaching me how to pray. And not as a heavy burden, but as a joy in him. And I believe that God has a spirit of prayer for all of us. He has all of us to take on this spirit of prayer. You, someone may be a greater uh, spiritual warrior than you in prayer or whatever you want to call it. But every one of us is called to the work of prayer. Every one of us. But who, it's for whoever is willing to receive it and make it the joyful sacrifice and making it the main business of their lives. I'm telling you this. I have to work. It is not a dull drudgery. But I have to work to make prayer the main business of my lives. But I'm growing in it. And I'm not going to make an excuse for anything else because I know that God will hear my prayers and He will hear your prayers. And I just ask today that we would consider that. Just as, as Nehemiah, he began with prayer. So prayer is the way we start spiritually rebuilding the walls. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about, well, where do I pray? What do I pray over? <laughs> Gets good. Let's look here and continue reading in Nehemiah 1, 11 through 2, 8. I was cupbearer to the king. That's what he says. <clears throat> in chapter 2, we're starting. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad and you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed with fire? The king said to me, What is, your, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said with him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe contact, conduct until I arrive in Judah? And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me tender, uh, timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel? by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because of the gracious hand of my God upon me, the king granted my requests. We, as we said first, we can begin building those spiritual walls through prayer. We also begin building the spiritual walls right where we are through our professions, where we are. You see, it says here uh, that... Those who will, uh, let me see, in Nehemiah, it explains very clearly he was not a priest. He was not in the priestly lineage. He was not a pastor like me. He wasn't that. He was a cupbearer to the king. He had a profession uh, that was um, God wanted to use to influence. And those who rebuild the spiritual walls of a city are people from all walks of life. Every walk of life rebuilding. We're going to talk next week a little bit about how every person rebuilds right in front of their own residence, right in front of their own workplace, everyone rebuilding together. But it's important that we see that in order to build these spiritual walls of protection, uh, it'll take spiritual leaders from all walks of life. 
Man, we're wanting to raise people up to influence right where they are. You might ask, am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? But I can guarantee you that if there are people that don't know the love and the life and the good news of Jesus, you're in a good place. You're in the right place. You might not like your place right now, but give yourself to God and he will give you whatever new assignments you need when you need them. You know, one of the key ways to see the wall rebuilt in our city and our nation uh, is to be the pastor of the people where you are. You know, I am for whoever chooses to have a community of faith as their home. I'm your pastor. I'm not the only pastor. Uh, uh, my wife is, is pastoring, John, Leah, uh, the whole crew. I'm not going to go on, but, but I am a pastor of yours. But I am not the pastor of your workplace. I am not the pastor of your where you study. You're the pastor of that place. You're the one that is responsible for them. Don't wait for me to come and be pastoring and caring for them. I will if I meet them, wherever I meet them. If I come to your school and I'm in your classroom, I'm, I'm their pastor too. But wherever you are, you're the pastor of that place. You're bringing the presence, the provision, and the life of God. Yesterday, I was sitting in McDonald's, as I do sometimes, and doing some study. And there were three ladies over here. One of them was, in, um, they were all in about their 70s. And I was talking to them, and I asked these ladies, I said, it looks like you're planning something really intense there. And she said, this lady said, yeah, I'm getting married. I've been living in sin, she said, for 19 years. I didn't say it. She said it. And you know what was in my heart? Not a condemnation for her. What was in my heart is, I'm this lady's pastor now. I bet she doesn't have a pastor. So I got right in, right in there and I said, my name is Jeff Bianchi. I'm at Community of Faith. And I just want to let you know, one thing that Jesus said is it said he didn't come for the righteous people or he didn't come for the religious people. He came for the sinners. So he's here for you right now. And if there's anything I can do for you in your wedding, please let me know. Because I'm the pastor of that lady. But that's because I was face-to-face -face with her. You're face-to-face -face with your flock. I'm not. But I'm here helping you to be that for your flock. And flock, you know what I mean. Shepherd, sheep, spiritual flock. And not many of you are out there tending sheep, are, are you? Literally, any sheep herders? But where you are, I just say that if each one of us would take the responsibility to pray and to begin looking out to... What would a pastor, what would a shepherd, what would someone that cares for people do for the people around them? Boy, you flip that whole insecurity thing on its head. Instead of being insecure whether you fit in, you're already in. You're in Him. And now you're their servant with great joy, saying, what can I do for you? They say, I don't care for you to do anything. I guarantee you, if you stay around long enough, they'll have a need. And they'll come to you if they see that in your life. And the last way that I want to say about us rebuilding the walls, let's start in Nehemiah chapter 2, 9 through 18. Let's read this. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king also sent army officers and cavalry with me. I'm going to skip a few verses and go down here to verse uh, 13. By night, I'm sorry, go to 12. It says here, <clears throat> I set out during the night, so he's, he's reached Jerusalem, with a few others. I had not told anyone what God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate. Yes, dung gate. 
examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on to the fountain gate, king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, um, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back, re-entered through the valley gate. The officials didn't know where I'd gone or what I was doing because I hadn't said anything yet. And I'm going to go down here. And it says, then he says in verse 17, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruin and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, Let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. The last thing that I want to mention today, as I mentioned our prayers, and I've mentioned in our professions, where we are and what we're doing, is our presence. You cannot rebuild a spiritual wall that you will refuse to go see. And this talks about reaching out beyond our own professions. This talks about reaching those who are in broken and needy places that, that may be well outside of the... Uh, of the um, natural course of life that you are in. And it's a place where we go and we see the complete brokenness of mankind. I don't know what that brokenness may be. But whatever that brokenness is, it's, it's this desire to go to that place. I'm going to tell you, we're not going to be able to see the walls rebuilt if we stay far away from them. The broken down walls are right where Jesus wants to be. Jesus didn't run away from our pain. He ran right to it. When we see suffering, when we see brokenness in our city, we should be on that like white on rice. Saying, if there's a brokenness here, we're here, and we're not here to bring condemnation. We're here to bring hope. We're here to bring life. We're here to bring goodness and grace from Jesus. Oh, you're, uh, you're really a sinful person? Well, praise God, we can be with you, and we're here to give you a message that Jesus Christ, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. We're here to say, as Jesus said, to the woman caught in the very act of adultery, does anyone condemn you? Neither do I. Go and leave your life of sin. Hey, that's awesome stuff. We can go everywhere in our city and say, Jesus is the Jesus of grace and truth. Do you have to turn away from sin? Yes. Just as Jesus said, go and sin no more. He didn't say, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin and keep on. He said, neither do I condemn you. Now let the forgiveness of my blood, which will be ultimately shed for you, wash over you and you be renewed to a new life. I tell you, the church, the people of God, are not to run away from the broken places in our society, but to run, we're to run to them with hope and with healing. And I want to make that clear from last week. Having um, uh, strong standards in God out of His Word has nothing to do with separating ourselves from the people who need the love of Jesus. It means separating our hearts from everything that we want that is not of Jesus. And then connecting in meaningful and life-giving ways. Jesus didn't spend his life seeking out, as I said, the religious people. But he went to the broken people. He went to the broken not with condemnation, but he went with a message of hope. So I want to encourage us today with that. Three things we see here in order to start rebuilding the wall. And you can do it today. You can do it right as you leave this place. You can begin praying. You can begin with whoever you're around in your profession. You can begin, or your profession or your location in your household. If you're a housewife, your profession is being a housewife, and that's a very noble, honorable profession. 
I honor you. And right around your house is your profession. And you can begin reaching right there. And wherever you are. And then your presence. There's a place where God's going to teach us to pray. He's going to teach us to reach those around us in our daily lives. And He's going to teach us to go with the people in our daily lives and say, where's the darkest, most broken, most hurting, most unloved place in our city? Let's go there together and send them a message of hope. Praise His holy name. Praise His holy name. You ready to start rebuilding the walls at another level in our city? I'm ready. I'm ready to see all kinds of people from all kinds of darkness and destruction and brokenness and hurt. Those who have been sinned against and those who have sinned coming to Jesus and being one under His cross here and now. What I want to say is Jesus said, let them all come into my banquet hall. Whoever will can come. It's only the prideful and the arrogant and those who feel that they don't have a need of God that would be left out of the, the, the banquet hall of God. Let's stand. And John's going to lead us in a little bit of a response.